Hi, this is Megan Thompson with Megan Thompson Coaching, and here we have our teen program coach and leader here, Autumn Brennan. Welcome, Autumn. Thank you so much, Megan, for having me on here. Hello to everybody. Oh, okay. So we're here to talk about when you feel like you don't understand your child or teen, the sensitive kid, sensitive teenager, uh, wondering whether or not that's even necessary. Can you parent your child if you don't understand them? Can you parent your teen if you feel like you can't relate? So that's what we're going to break down today on our show. Hello, and welcome to How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. I'm your host, Megan Thompson, licensed clinical professional counselor and registered play therapist supervisor. We at MTC teach parents how to eliminate the daily meltdown and shutdown cycle for your sensitive children and teens. Highly sensitive children make up 15 to 20% of the population, according to research that has been gathered for over a century. And this podcast answers one question. How can you raise emotionally intelligent children? Stop walking on eggshells and help your child express their needs safely without punishments, yelling, or coddling. If you want to know the answer, you're in the right place. So here at MTC, we help parents of highly sensitive children and teens break out of the pattern of the meltdown shutdown cycle in as little as eight weeks. This is kids who are uh, feeling big feelings, but matched with even bigger behaviors. And those behaviors can be hitting, kicking, screaming, throwing their bodies on the floor, running away. And teenagers present with uh, behaviors that are typically more isolative. So they might be um, running up to their room, just staying in the room for days on end, refusing to follow through on expectations, or even to join the, the family at dinner time, uh, isolating, staying either glued to their phone or on Netflix or, or what have you, and uh, disconnecting from family relationships. And as a parent in any of these circumstances, you can wonder, do I really need to know what's going on with my kid? Or do I just need to be consistent with the rules and the expectations? Do I just need to um, you know, make sure that my child is uh, fed and clothed and, uh, you know, well cared for from their physical standpoint, take them to school. Uh, and so, so as a parent, you can want, obviously want that emotional connection, but it's important to understand whether or not it's necessary, right? Um, especially if for you being raised as a, as a child, if you didn't feel like you were emotionally connected effectively to your parents, you can wonder whether or not uh, your child will be fine growing up without uh, this connection to you. So Autumn, let's talk about one of the things that uh, parents can wonder about in, in this dynamic. What, what are parents thinking about, uh, especially related to their teenagers, when um, when they're feeling like they don't really get why their teen is blowing these, these emotions into what parents might assume is, is out of proportion? Uh, why, why a teen might be having what they assume to be an overreaction to uh, to any sort of experiences that they're having or circumstances going on in their life, uh, especially when parenting a sensitive teen. Um, thoughts and 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 wonderings that that parents bring to us. Uh, let's let's talk about that now. Well, I think it um, you know you can kind of just start with some of the things that we just hear in our culture in, in general, right? Um, oh, they're just a teenager. Oh, that's just normal behavior for a teenager. Um, oh, you're not really supposed to understand teenagers. They can only understand each other. Right. A rare um, breed. Yeah. 
I was a teenager once. I know how that goes, right? That, you know, kind of these um, underlying messages that we get all of the time to, and when you really kind of sit back and you think about it, a lot of those messages are there as a way to provide relief to you as a parent, right? As that thought comes in, oh, it's just because they're a teenager or this is just normal teenager behavior. Maybe you're using that phrase to explain some things that really aren't normal teenager behavior or they're not normal teenage behaviors for a healthy um, functioning, um, you know, teenager. Um, (laughs) Really in those times, it might be more about that's something that you're saying to yourself because you're not really sure Mm -hmm. what else to do. And you're noticing that there's something that feels uncomfortable for you or feels off, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so especially when we're talking about, you know, behaviors like isolating, right? Mm-hmm. Human beings need other human beings to feel happy. So there, yeah. this nonsense <laughs> that mm-hmm. you can live um, on your computer in your room and still be a happy person that's just part of being a normal teenager, it's just that, it's nonsense. Uh, I was looking at a study recently where they they pulled a group of um, teenagers and 56% of the teenagers polled said that they believe they have an addiction to electronics, to social media, and would like to not be on social media enough. 56%. Mm-hmm. That's right? insane. Yeah. If we are living, <laughs> yeah. we are living with a belief system that mm-hmm. your teen wants to be in their room, that they want mm-hmm. to be isolated or away, separated from their family, um, or that they want to be um, separated from um, engaging in, in community activities. Um, that, that that's not a a reality of somebody that that's really functioning in a healthy place. Um, yeah. That's somebody that is trying to escape um, and that doesn't really know how to mm-hmm. find a sensation of happiness or a sensation of inclusion. That's somebody mm-hmm. that, that's just not sure how to do that. Um, on the flip side, you know, you may have your your teenagers um, that are you know engaging in behaviors like running away, right? We can say running away, not ru- not running away to a different state, but running away, as in maybe leaving the house without permission or getting really upset, right? And not being mm-hmm. sure how to communicate that with other family members, not being sure how to feel um, understood in their environment, and they start to, to maybe feel trapped after they've been isolating for that long. And, and they try to talk. It comes out as a bunch of snaps. You snap back. Why are you talking to me like that? Right. Again, normal Mm -hmm. reaction. If if we're not really speaking the same language, Mm -hmm. if your teenager doesn't have the skills to handle the emotions that are coming up for them, they might just walk out that door. They might go looking for the friendships that they do feel capable of having, which maybe are not the most effective friendships for them. Right. So that's kind of what I think we see, um, you know, just as a in as a general um, starter for this topic um, of, you know, do, should I understand my teen or not, or is that, you know, just part of teenager parent dynamic? I don't get you, you don't get me. Mm-hmm. It's not really mm-hmm. something we mm-hmm. tell ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so when we look at this as a symptom of the shutdown refusal cycle, then it's a heck of a lot easier to feel empowered as a parent to, to want to change it. Right. Right. So, you know, especially hearing that research that you just touted, right. Um, more than half of teenagers globally, right. Um, in, in that study, just non-highly sensitive and, and highly sensitive alike 
realize that they have a problem and want to fix it, right? Uh, in terms of the self-isolation on devices. And right. so as a parent, when you notice that all your teen um, does right now is, is sit on their phones or sit on their laptop or their tablet, you could simply jump to the conclusion that that's what they desire, that that's right. what they're interested in right now. That's just what they're into. Um, it's what they want. And so it's really important to, to notice that more than one out of every two uh, recognizes that they feel miserable and, and realizes that they don't want to feel miserable. No child was put on this earth to feel miserable. We all know that. Uh, and, and we're noticing that teens have the, a lot of the insights that they need to make these changes. And so in observing that dynamic, it, it's incredibly important that you as a parent start to observe what's possible for your teen in, in, this, um, in this situation. First, we need to understand the consequences of this belief. If you hold on to, um, to this belief, that it, it creates patterns in the way that you parent. Uh, right. Which, you know, we want to make sure that we're tying these connections to you here today so that you notice how pervasive this challenging thought is um, to keep as a parent. And so uh, let's talk about some of the things that parents, uh, patterns that parents engage in if they believe that they don't need to understand their teen or that it's just normal to not understand where your teen is coming from or understand your teen's thinking pattern. That's just par for the course in parenting an adolescent. Yeah. So uh, when, when you guys are on different pages, I'll put it that way. Um, when you're on different pages and when there really isn't the, um, you know, an underlying curiosity and underlying desire to really get on the same page and to understand the perspective of your team, to kind of understand their frame, right. That leaves you guys both vulnerable to creating different ruptures in your relationship. And I, when I say different, what I mean are different kinds of ruptures within your relationship. And so some of it might be things like um, you just end up nitpicking all the time, right? Mm -hmm. Why'd you do it that way? You, mm -hmm. Why'd you do that? You should have done it this way or you didn't do it fast enough, mm -hmm. right? Not understanding mm -hmm. your team, not, not having a way to communicate with one another you, you might end up in a situation where your teen is kind of constantly feeling attacked. And so maybe part of that isolation is if I just don't interact, I don't have to feel attacked. Or, um, you know, if you're the parent, it might go on the other side of um, constantly feeling frustrated with the decisions that they're making and not really understanding why would somebody make that decision, right? Why would, yeah. um, you know, <laughs> I was working with a teen recently and, um, they, uh, the, the container for the, the dog poop bags, right? They're taking the dog out. Um, the container, um, got into the poop. It was a, it was a situation went down. Lots of big emotions <laughs> happened. Right. Um, and so logical response from this teenager, I'm going to be late from school. All of it went into the trash, the dog poop container, <laughs> the back of the roll of bags. Um, yeah. I don't know what to do with this. I can't carry it home. It costs nothing. We're going to put it into the trash. <laughs> Teen comes home. Parents question, right? You know, us being adults, logically, we've dealt with poop before. You wash it off, right? Like this is the <laughs> poop happens. <laughs> and so then it becomes the, the conversation. Exactly. Right? <laughs> exactly. The conversation quickly moves into, why did you throw that away? What's wrong with you? Why would you make that decision? Team starts to shut now down. I gotta go get another one. 
Right. Now I got to go get another one. Now we got to find another one. Right. I've got to take the dog mm -hmm. out later while you're at school. And now there's two bags. <laughs> Those, you know, kind right. of logical pieces. And there really isn't the understanding of the emotions or the lack of skill set that might have driven that behavior. And mm -hmm. instead, there's a lot of frustration on both sides. And we completely kill an opportunity for growth. Right. Right. And, and what festers instead is an, an invalidating environment, right? right. Because if a right. parent is jumping to the conclusion that the teen doesn't care, that the right. teen is just, you know, that, that your teen just does not consider other people, right. Um, that is careless or even just, uh, you know, was, was, um, not thoughtful in, uh, you know, and throwing it away. Right? right. Or maybe even assuming that it was lost and they didn't notice it. And they, you know, assuming that they weren't paying attention enough to keep track of their things. Right. right. All of that um, dynamic. When you don't have the skills as a parent to figure out hmm, what's really going on here, what was, what was happening. And obviously, you know, dog poop bags is at the end of the world. No, you can probably pick that up at Walmart or even home goods, uh, sells, sells right. those little containers, right? It's, it's not the end of the world to, um, to replace it, but this is an example of a mismatch in, in parenting that perpetuates the ineffective communication style that's going on in the, the meltdown, shutdown, refusal cycle. Um, again, what Autumn just shared was that the teenager was panicking about future goals that are important to them and uh, future future experiences that are important to them. And uh, the the concept of keeping track of a dog poop container was less important, not a high priority, right? right. Um, but does this mean that the teenager doesn't care? No. And 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 so when when a parent has uh, a mismatched understanding uh, based on a lot of assumptions, but also patterns, right? If you've been parenting this this uh, child of yours for many many years and not understanding how big the emotions that your teen feels, how complicated the thought processes are. Um, when your teen is, is moving from one thought to the next and the conclusions that they jump to, then that, um, that dynamic creates a larger gap over time. And so then it's easy if you don't have a method to get straight answers from your kid and, and really feel like you understand them. Um, and that's been going on for years. You're naturally going to develop the the pattern of jumping to conclusions yourself. And so there's nothing, um, you know, to, to, to shame or blame you for this. It's just a mismatch in parenting and a missing strategy, right? So that's a heck of a lot easier to fix than um, saying that your, you know, your thinking is never going to be corrected as a parent and that your teen is always going to be selfish um, and, and, and inconsiderate. And uh, those, those, those global um, beliefs that, that you might be keeping right now uh, without these skills can be, um, can, you know, can be paralyzing. You can watch your teen just grow up before your eyes without feeling any sort of connection in that dynamic. And, and obviously justifying it because the feeling that sorrow on a daily basis is, is intolerable. Um, and, and so the other dynamic on the other side of that though, is, um, you know, so there's a lot of independence expected in, in this dynamic. Um, expecting your teen to know and to read your mind and to know how adults act and how well, what the proper way to, to respond to life would be and, and um, responding and reacting in, in kind. The other side of that is uh, treating your teen as fragile. 
and expecting them to um, not expecting them to uh, to know how to solve these problems. And that creates what, you know, in not independence, but dependence right. fosters enablement. Right. And so what happens in this dynamic when a teen feels enabled by their parents and when parents feel like they're enabling their their teen? Yeah. So when when a teenager is feeling um, enabled, right, we could say enabled or um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to use an example just because I think that that it's really it's easier to relate sometimes to some of these patterns that we start to talk about when we can kind of draw from from experiences. Um, and so when I think about a, a teen that has been enabled or a teen that, um, you know, because there's this mismatch, there's this disconnection where the parent doesn't really understand their full capacity. Right. They don't understand um, maybe because of the disconnection, they're not sure really of what their kid actually knows. Right. They're not really sure of the skills that they have. Um, and so on the one hand, like you were talking about, you know, you can certainly have the, the situation where, um, you know, maybe you make an assumption where, um, you you believe that your child is going to be able to walk into a classroom and advocate for themselves um, because you said to them, hey, I need you to walk into this classroom and advocate for yourself. Right. So that's, <laughs> that's almost like that too much independence. Right. There's a complete disconnection around really what is your child's capability, not just. Mm-hmm. Do they have the words to do it? But do they have the emotion regulation? Do they have the skills that they need mm-hmm. to manage anxiety, to feel confident, um, to mm-hmm. um, articulate, right? I mean, like, so sometimes it's not just about finding basic words, but it's also about being able to articulate the emotions that they're experiencing and what their wants and needs are. Um, so it might yeah. be, you know, that extreme or the other side of it. Um, not taking into consideration what your team's skills or abilities are and jumping in to advocate for them in ways that might cause them shame or embarrassment or or may make them feel like they are less than, right? Yeah. My mom's always jumping in to talk to this teacher um, before I can even say what it is that I want or, or that I need, right? I, I'm yeah. not able to make that decision. What happens when we enable somebody in that way over time is that they don't develop the skills that they need to act for themselves, to be able to determine what do I need? What do I want? What's my body mm-hmm. telling me? Like, right. This leads to indecis- mm-hmm. indecision, um, it, which can become an expensive habit when you think about it, <laughs> the level of yeah. avoidance that indecision mm-hmm. can cause, um, you know, mm-hmm. later on in life, this, this can certainly um create uh, situations and relationships that are not healthy, that are pretty toxic. Um, and just in the teenage parent relationship, that's mm-hmm. frustrating, right? Because yeah. over time, as somebody has been enabled, as somebody has, you know, another individual making decisions for them, um, or, um, you know, doing things for them that they may have the skill set to do, they start to, to doubt themselves, right? As that mm-hmm. reinforces Oh, if I just hang out and wait around for a while, eventually somebody's going to to do it for me. That's going to lead to frustration on the parents' end, right? Why aren't mm-hmm. you doing this, mm-hmm. right? And it's going to lead to um, shame, right? Being being one of the big ones that that's going to happen on the kids' part, right? Um, and and also frustration. Why aren't you just jumping in and doing it for me? You're going to anyways. And yeah. then when the kid finally says that. <laughs> now we've got the blow up. Right. right. 
<laughs> do you think I am your puppet? What do you think? I, you know, who do you think I am? I'm not your concierge. Like right. whatever it is, as a parent hearing that, um, it can, it can lead to all kinds of triggered responses. Right. Kid, don't you think I have a life? I've been trying to teach you to do it yourself. What, what do you mean? You don't want You don't think that, I, that I ever let you do that. Right. I've, all I've been trying to do is to coax you to do this. Right. right. And, right. uh, That's good just, yeah. Um, so the expectations are, are, um, just consistently not met, but then there's a, there's a sabotage component that can be not only, um, uh, not realized by the parent, but also not realized by the teen. Uh, obviously that ineffective way of, of, um, you know, saying to, to mom or dad, you know what, might as well not even try, right? right. There's a, there's a helplessness component to that communication style, a victim right. component to that communication style. You know, which can be really disheartening, but also frustrating to hear as a parent. And then for, in parents, uh, you know, the, the dynamic of just wondering, you know, are you going to even try? Should I even ask you um, to consider trying? And uh, based on all of these patterns, and it's really important that we cover that these are symptoms of that meltdown, shutdown, refusal cycle that, that you're experiencing with your teen. It is not part of your teen's personality. And the fact that you brought up the concept of indecision, I mean, I feel like we should do a whole training on just that concept um, in and of itself. And so I'm going to keep my <laughs> tangent at bay. Um, you know, just in, in, in our experience of watching people make decisions um, in, in managing the indecision concept and being experts on, on the highly sensitive personality trait, and especially when it comes to, to sensitive kids and, and sensitive teens, and of course, their sensitive parents, right. um, we have a lot to say on that concept. So we'll table that. <laughs> we'll table that. Um, but it's, I'm going to put that down in my notes. That's what we're going to do. Uh, we're doing another show on that. Um, but the, the, the experience of not being able to trust yourself and not feeling trusted by your parents because you're not understood by your parents, it creates a lot of pervasive challenges for the teen. And, and one of them is low self-esteem, right? And so, so, um, you know, when you can't advocate for yourself, you don't think that you can say to your to your teacher, you know what I forgot, is it okay if I turn it in tomorrow, can I still at least get half points, right? As a parent, you might ask your teen, you know, why didn't you turn this in? And they say, oh, I forgot, you know, I, 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 why didn't you tell your teacher you left it at home? Uh, I, I don't know. Well, what do you mean you don't know? I don't know. And it doesn't matter anyways, right? And, and, and so when a teen doesn't have the skills, their response to a parent who's coming up with, you know, wonderings as to why they didn't solve the problem in a way that feels quite logical to a parent, um, teen can, can sound like um, they don't care. Right. But the I don't know needs, what you need to add to the end of that sentence is, I don't know how. Right. Right. Not from a place of not knowing what to say but how to tolerate the emotions of what it takes to ask, ask for help, what it takes to ask for, um, or to admit that you're not perfect, right? right? You leave the homework at home. Um, a lot of highly sensitive teens are quite perfectionistic. They have a really um, high uh, need to be, you know, to people please, just to not be a burden, to not put anybody out. Mm -hmm. And so they don't want to call attention to failure. Right. Right. And that, that people pleasing 
when you were just talking about the, the people pleasing and then when we think about disconnection, um, really, you know, when you are disconnected from your teen and you are putting them into positions where you're asking them to do things that really aren't on their radar or that really aren't their interest or are outside of their abilities or, or their capabilities at that time, right? So right now, mm-hmm. not for forever, but right now um, in their life, when you know, for example, you know, maybe um, in your mind, my teens played baseball their whole lives. They love to play baseball. Of course, they're going to play baseball. And of course, they want to get scouted by these teams. And of course, um, they want to be on a travel team. And of course, they want to do all of these things. And maybe there's a disconnection there where the reality is um, they are engaging in a lot of people pleasing and they're moving through the steps. But as they're moving through the steps, they're also starting to question themselves or they're starting to build resentment. Um, and they they maybe, yeah, I have played baseball my whole life. And you know what I've noticed? I like, I like it. I think it's fun. And I, I don't really want it to be my life. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I don't know how to say or, that to somebody else. Or I'm really good at it, but I don't enjoy it. Right. Right. So right. the difference between passion and talent. And, uh, but I don't want to put anybody out because the team's relying on me. I'm really good at this. Right. I got to help the team. So there's that self-sacrificial, even martyrdom, uh, pattern that that's happening in, in adolescence that is not going to be stamped out in young adulthood. I mean, your first job, if you've got that pattern, um, going on in, um, in, in adolescence, it's going to keep going, uh, whether it be college projects or, um, your boss asking you to work an extra shift and you really wanted to go out to dinner with your friends or, um, you were fried and, and you were looking forward to your TV night or, or whatever it is that, um, that you're looking forward to as a young adult. Um, uh, the answer is going to be all right, of course, or sure, no problem um, at this, at the sake of, um, of yourself. And so when we think about all of these patterns, the, the answer to our question today is, do I need to understand my teen in order to help them um, develop? The answer obviously is yes, right? Uh, you need to be able to do that. And it, in order to speak, as Autumn said, speak the same language uh, for your teen. And once you have that capacity uh, to do that, and, and then you can more effectively pace your teen into meeting the expectations that you have. So it's important to understand that understanding your teen doesn't mean you have to agree with their choices. It doesn't mean that you have to agree with their current skill set or their their um, their their decisions in in that moment, um, or that you have to agree with how they're trying to get their needs met. What it does mean is that once you have that the, a way to understand your teen and to speak that same language so that you are asking them to do something and they understand exactly what you mean by that by that question, um, then you can help them identify gaps if they feel like they can't meet your needs, if they feel like they can't meet your expectations. You can hear that from them clearly and then you can guide them more effectively. And obviously that's a heck of a lot easier with a system in place uh, to include um, making sure that that you're having those conversations regularly and that those conversations are pleasant. Your teen is saying present and not just yeah, yeah, yahing you or blowing you off and refusing to participate, right? Um, as well as making sure that you as a parent are changing the way that you think about your teen, you're changing the your perception of what your teen is capable of. Um, and, and that goes beyond just understanding the highly sensitive trait. You know, Elaine Aaron herself has said, 
in interviews that um, that young adults who at age 28 are still living in parents' home, when parents are expressing frustration, uh, she she has been uh, publicly heard to say, um, it's okay, they'll move out eventually, right? Well, you need to know how, and you need to have the skill set to understand that at 15, you can absolutely support your teen in, in moving out at 18, even if that's to college and they come back in the summer or um, you know, moving out and, and finding a way to be independent if they want to find their job, a first job and, and be financially independent right away. Um, those are skills that are absolutely available to you as a parent to develop in order to help your teen be, foster them for themselves. And it does not have to wait. You do not have to, to experience a failure to launch uh, dynamic that is, is common in, in this lack of skill for teens who are stuck in that cycle. Again, we talked about this in, in other um, shows. You've heard me say this. Our specialty is the highly sensitive uh, person and highly sensitive trait in children and teens who are stuck in the daily meltdown, shutdown cycle. Not all highly sensitive teens are stuck in that cycle, but the ones who are, you still need to make sure that you're clear that those expectations you had when you decided to have kids and the dreams you have for your teen, those can still be met. That is not part of the personality trait. It is a symptom of the cycle. And that's absolutely uh, something that you guys can break out of with uh, skill sets. And, um, and so want to make sure that you are, you are aware of that. If this is something that you've noticed you need help with and, and designing all the skills that we mentioned today and supporting your teen in, in um, taking ownership of building those skills has been difficult for you. It's been hard to figure out how to do that specifically and consistently and systematically. Then we encourage you to book a call with our team and uh, have a conversation with us about where you're stuck uh, what your challenges are, where you, what your goals are in order to uh, break out of this pattern, what, what you want to be able to experience with your teen and what your team wants to be able to experience. We'll also cover that with them as well. And if what we do is going to help you reach those goals, then we'll tell you exactly how to break out of that pattern with us on that phone call. You'll be able to get started right away. And uh, if that's not the, uh, the proper fit, if we feel like uh, deeper or um level of, of support or more cons uh, a different approach is necessary, then we will point you in that direction instead. And we're happy to do that. Um, uh, if, if you've noticed that this pattern has already started in childhood and your child is in eighth grade or under, we are happy to speak with you. We look forward to that conversation and uh, thank you for listening. Have a great day. Thank you for joining me on this episode of How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. We release a brand new episode every week, so be sure to click subscribe. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in seeing if you're a fit to work with us at MTC, here's what I want you to do next. Head on over to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash call and book an appointment with our team. We'll get on the phone for about 60 minutes and we'll get you clarity on where you're stuck in parenting your sensitive child or teen what your goals are for supporting your child's development. And if we can help you, we'll get you started on knowing exactly what to do to eliminate that meltdown cycle. Eliminating the daily meltdown cycle does not happen by itself. You need expert guidance to make it happen. And we've helped hundreds of clients from all over the world end that cycle in as little as eight weeks. So to see if we can help you do the same, head on over to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash call. I'm Megan Thompson and we look forward to speaking to you soon.